0: Today on Real Ghost Stories Online, paranormal activity makes a huge spike during a building remodel. Also, an elevator takes on a life of its own as teens explore a haunted structure.
1: Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your Real Ghost Story now at 855 853 48 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown, and quite possibly, the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. That it
0: is. 855-853-4802, our phone number. You can write it at realghoststoriesonline.com. Many ways to get your stories to us. If you enjoy the program, well, this is a listener-supported show primarily. You go to ghostpodcast.com, five bucks a month. Get access to all of our bonus episodes. All 240-some of them now up there for you. You can hear the previews of those episodes on Thursdays on our regular feed, but the full episode there for our EPPs, extra podcast people, ghostpodcast.com to check all of that out. You can even subscribe through Patreon. The link is there at ghostpodcast.com. Tony and Sean joining you once again, and how are you this fine day?
1: I'm doing good. I just got my 84-piece chocolate heart for Valentine's Day. I was going to give it to my Valentine, but I thought, no, it's too good.
0: An eighty-four piece chocolate heart. Now, what the hell? I mean,
1: mean, you've heard of Russell Stover,
0: yes, yes.
1: And you've seen your uh, your four piece, your eight piece, your twelve piece little hearts Mm -hmm, that you spend four bucks on. That's that's super original. Mm -hmm. But um, I mean, you know, it's uh, we saw the eighty-four pound bucket of mac and cheese available at Costco. Everybody's wanting more
0: sure so why not have more of the chocolate the thing is that that, that sucks about and I remember getting some of those when I was a kid like my parents would get me a valentine heart on valentine's day and the thing is there's like about three chocolates in the the pack of like 15 that you get that are actually good and the rest are the fucking nougat
1: (laughs) you you come across (laughs) it and you open it up and you're like mmm look at that and then you bite into one Son of a bitch, who wants a cherry in the middle of chocolate?
0: I think I feel as passionate about the shitty chocolates in a chocolate box as you do about candy corn.
1: I remember you getting pretty
0: vile about candy really? corn in October. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, like, why would why do well, half you know, of the these be- exist? the Best way
1: to enjoy candy corn. The best way to enjoy candy corn. You know what that is? In the trash is what you always say. To throw it in the garbage. Yeah, correct, yeah. absolutely. Well, I, I mean, my
0: question is, you know, things tend to get better with time. When you look at other products, uh, the ones that people don't tend to like they they kind of phase them out and they don't keep selling them. You know, there's a reason there isn't Crystal Pepsi anymore. There's a reason there isn't, you know, you know, AM Pepsi and another weird variations of candy that nobody really enjoyed that much. So why the hell is it that the chocolate heart industry hasn't ever gotten their shit together enough to say, you know what? I think most people throw away the nougat. Maybe we should do something else. I'm sure it's probably like one of the cheapest ones to make and that's probably why they're doing it. But I don't know, maybe there just needs to be a year-wide boycott of chocolate hearts some year to get it to their through their thick heads that nobody
1: wants the fucking nougat. Jeez Conference call nine fifteen stat. We need to change our variety pack. They just want the fucking dark chocolate. <laughs> no nougat, Carl. Goddamn. No nougat. Put your crystal Canadian down. Wait a minute. Clearly. Clearly. Canadian? Clearly, clearly Canadian. Canadian. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. And and Derek, put your fucking Lacroix down. It's not 1994.
0: <laughs> As I have a Lacroix on my desk, but damn uh,
1: it, yeah. <laughs> but no, I, um, I I don't know.
0: I mean, it's it's. Uh, uh, there we go. Uh, enough about uh, chocolate hearts. Uh, let's talk about ghosts because it's uh, that's what the show's about. Eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two. I haven't gotten that passionate about something pointless in a long time. Uh, felt kind of delicious.
1: Good. It's so good. Just just eating. Just eating this heart. It's so <laughs> good. Happy Valentine's. Happy Valentine's. Let's go to a,
0: uh, a letter. It says in late summer in ninety seven we moved into a little old rental home. I was approaching the end of the first trimester of my first pregnancy. The little house only had four rooms, one bathroom, and a basement that opened up into the backyard. The basement was typical, unfinished, dark, and creepy and I never felt at ease down there. The door from the basement leading outside to the backyard had windows in it and looked like the original exterior door. Not very substantial. The previous renters must have had the same worries we did about that basement door and the ease of a potential break-in. They had installed a 2x4 that settled down onto brackets between both the upstairs back door and the door down in the basement. That way, no one was opening either the back door off from the kitchen or the basement door directly parallel to it when the board was placed. Shortly after moving in, my husband decided to finish half of the basement for a TV room. The walls were all cinder blocked, so he had purchased several one-by-ones to anchor into the cinder block to mount the drywall to. He had these one-by-ones stored upright, leaning into the far left corner of the basement as you came down the steps from upstairs. At the same time, he framed a wall that sectioned off the left side of the basement from the rest. This wall went with the left side of the steps into the basement with a doorway just off to the left from the bottom step. Now remember the one-by-ones leaning upright in the far left corner? They're still there. A few months after moving in, I started to have trouble sleeping at night. While awake one night, I heard the distinct crash of wood into a concrete floor. I knew exactly what it was. Boards in the basement crashing into the floor. I immediately woke up, my husband, who went outside to check the integrity of the basement door, and it was all intact, not broken into, and still locked. And we're standing at the back door, off from the kitchen, staring at the 2x4 that's still braced between the two doors. My husband slowly lifts the board out and places it and sets it down. He then slowly begins to open the basement door and reaches in to turn the basement lights on. We both stand there frozen, not believing what we're seeing. All the one-by-ones that were leaning into the far left corner of the basement were now laying at the bottom of the steps. If the boards had fallen from where they were leaning into the corner, they were not long enough to end up outside of the newly framed room. The distance from the far corner to the bottom of the steps was around 20 feet. These boards were maybe 8 feet long. To this day, we are still unable to come up with an explanation for this. Many other experiences were had after this while living in that little old rental house. I never experienced anything paranormal up to that point or since moving out of that house. But one thing is for sure, I'm still a believer to this day. I don't know how I would handle that. When you have something like that, you didn't necessarily see anything. You heard the commotion of what was going on with the objects. And then they're moved into an illogical place that they couldn't have just fallen over and slid. You know, what what goes through your mind at that point?
1: So they, you said this was a rental house. I believe so. I think it's a situation where maybe uh, there were some some guests from the other side that were using the area, and the fact that her husband to put a wall up constrict the area. They wanted to uh, maybe maybe put it back to how it was. How they how when they came to to visit, Mm -hmm. they wanted uh, the space open. They didn't they didn't want a wall to. uh, to make two rooms.
0: It's funny because with with ghosts sometimes we think about like oh well they can just kind of walk through walls and stuff. I don't know that that's the case. They seem to get fairly upset when you mess with their their space.
1: And when I think of a situation where um, obviously the the default of coming to um to visit or surprise is to to scare, to to go through the wall, mm-hmm. to wake you up in the middle of the night, to come out of your closet, but they may just be coming back to reflect upon uh, whether it be their childhood, if, if they grew up in that basement and, and, you know, remembered playing with their tray. I mean, they want to recreate how it was when they were alive. Sure. And, and clearly, uh, that is not the case. You know,
0: another thing I wonder about sometimes, uh, and th- this sounds kind of bizarre, is lumber uh, just in general, where it, it's like, you know, sometimes, I mean, there's obviously a lot of trees out there in forests, and usually when they're they're doing uh you know, lumber work, and then they're clearing them out for lumber. It's pretty deep in forest. It's not like it's someone's backyard where it's their cherry tree. But I, I would have to imagine at some, sometimes you're you're hitting areas that are at the edge of the forest. It may be worth someone's land at one point. And maybe there's a particular tree. And there's two ways to look at this. One that, that maybe a, a child was fairly fond of, uh, had their tire swing in it, played in it, climbed it and all that. And maybe fell off the tree and died uh, or, some, or, or just had a fondness, lived out their life. But still, there's that energy there. There's that 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 fond thought of, oh, that was my tree. And then it's gone. And now it turns out to be the framing for uh, Jimmy's doorway to the restroom. Uh, but it was once this tree that someone loved. Or you also have the other angle of this is a tree that was used in a not so good way. Uh, you know, for some sort of nefarious purpose and someone also perished on it uh, at some point in time or several people did. And, and I wonder about things like that where would that would there be an attachment? Could there then be an attachment to that that tree, that once living thing that other living things, you know, felt either a fondness for in the first version of it or, uh, you know, uh, through some sort of traumatic event also kind of stained the the tree uh, as an object? And now it's part of the framing of your house. 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your experiences with us. You can call 24-7. We'd love to hear them. Or if you wanted to send an audio file, lots of folks doing that, on their mobile devices. What is the right way to say that anymore? Do you say cell phone? Do you say mobile device? Do you say smartphone? What is the, what is the right term when you're referring to someone recording something on their their thing?
1: Oh, actually recording or just the thing itself?
0: Well, it, and it just referencing it in general, because I never know what to say. Is it like, you know, your phone, your cell phone, your mobile device, your smart device? Because there's like 20 different terms for it now.
1: I was going to say narcotic. <laughs> You're Narcotic? <laughs> because it's a drug, man. We're all addicted. It, it, so I, I agree. We need it. We need it. No. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm looking at it and I need it. I have to constantly check my email every three minutes. I'm guilty and, of and it. And here's the thing: I'm not, I'm not, um, you know, knocking folks for obviously listening to the show when they're working out or on a road trip, or not at all if you're actually doing something productive. Uh, it's just, and I'm guilty of it as well. I think we all, even if we um, complain about it, we're all hypocrites. It just, yeah. it's a drug, man. Uh, now, but I, I would say
0: mobile device,
1: mobile, mobile device,
0: Mo- mobile device, Mo- devices, device, yeah. It'll they'll have Bad. a new name next year, too. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, 855-853-4802, our number. Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's go to another caller. It says, hey, guys, this ghost experience happens in 1997 at my 10-year high school reunion where we had it on the Queen Mary. I was having so much fun dancing and drinking. It was such a great drunken night. I went with four other people, or about six of us, stayed in one-bedroom hotel on the ship. Since there was only one bed and one couch to the four of us, we had to sleep on the floor. And it was the most uncomfortable stay since I was one of four sleeping on the, uh, the floor. So, because it was so uncomfortable on the floor, I couldn't sleep. Got up, left the room, and wandered the ship. Ran into some other friends that were still walking around drinking and having fun. I wanted a drink, so me and two other people went to go explore the ship and get a drink. After we got me a drink, we found ourselves wandering the halls trying to figure out where to go. So after a couple hours, not really doing anything, my two friends were helping me try to find my room because I forgot where it was. Somehow we ended up on the elevator and thought it would be easier trying to find my room. So we got on the elevator, pushed the floor that I thought was where my room was, but when the elevator stopped, the doors opened. There was a man wearing work overalls standing there telling us we were on the wrong floor. We apologized, pushed the floor I thought my room was on, and when the elevator stopped, the doors opened, and it was the same man standing there yelling, yelling at us, saying we were on the wrong floor. We all looked at each other, wondering why this man kept telling us the same thing, since it was a mistake. We kept stopping on that floor. Now, just so you know, the Queen Mary has only three floors that are accessible, so you would think it wouldn't be that hard to find my room. The third time we tried the elevator, it stopped on that floor again, but this time the man was gone. We looked at each other, wondering what had happened to him because it was a tiny little room with just a wall and a door so we tried to open the only other door on that floor. It was deadlocked from the side. There's no way anyone could get through the door unless they had a key. We looked at each other and said, Holy shit, we just saw a fucking ghost and attempted to go back to this floor but the elevator would not stop on that floor again for the life of us, we could not find that floor. We took the stairs, found my room with no problem and they waited to make sure I got in. Next, the next morning at breakfast, we did talk about it again and agreed we saw a ghost. Sorry if this was so long, but I had to explain each detail that I could remember. Thank you, and I hope to hear my story. I do have others to tell, but I'll do that another time. It became a yearly EPP, even though I've been binge listening to you guys for about three weeks now. I absolutely love it. Uh, here's an interesting thing about that story: we've heard a very similar one on the show. Uh, A couple of years back. I I couldn't tell you the exact details because it's been a couple of years back and I can't tell you what I had yesterday for lunch, but uh, it was very similar where it was the man somewhere in the ship telling him you're going the wrong way. Go the other way. Uh, So interesting. This is what this ghost does.
1: Well, thank you for uh, having me collectively crap our pants. First of all, sleeping on the floor of a of a ship? Of a boat? The Queen Mary, that's yeah. Just, okay, fair enough. It's an ocean uh,
0: liner. It's not like it's, you know, Bill's dinghy that's gonna go out on Lake Winnipesaukee.
1: Okay, so it's not like John's 17-foot bay liner. In no. Board. Okay. Uh, that is... Here's the thing. Sometimes we listen to some stories and there's some intrigue, there's some some entertainment. I mean, some visitors that are Humorous ghost, that would scare the fuck out of me. As yep. they said in the story, holy shit, we saw a ghost. I mean, it's pretty, yep, mm-hmm. I want to get off the boat now. Thank you.
0: <laughs> I want you to go Can on. We you... go?
1: Can we go back to port, please? You can't leave.
0: Have you ever gone back to a, uh, a high school reunion of any sort?
1: I didn't. I, um... No you no
0: i have no desire to i didn't like it when i was there I, I don't like i don't find it to have any reason to drive uh 700 miles to go see people that i really was not that close with to begin with
1: yeah i think there there was uh, for i believe it was the 10-year reunion there was a uh, a committee that they were putting something together but nothing nothing ever formalized yeah. and quite honestly uh, to your point, I don't think it's... A, I didn't like it when I was there. I liked high school. Yep. I just really have no reason to be like, oh, hey, how are you? Yeah. Man, you you peaked senior year of life. That <laughs> is unfortunate. Can you uh, change the oil on my car? Thanks.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those things. I mean, some it was just never a thing for me. I totally get it if... if That was your time, and and you loved it, and you had friends, and it worked. I didn't. (laughs) I, I was working. I felt alienated. I felt uncomfortable, and I didn't have many friends. So... If I was not, you know, I, I didn't have enemies, but I just wasn't like I, I, I wasn't popular, but I wasn't unpopular. I was kind of like didn't exist. Uh, it was one of those things where the only times people would come up to me and like try and befriend me is if they wanted tickets to a concert or the latest Backstreet Boys CD or something of that nature because I was working, uh, in radio and it's like, oh, yeah, Tony, maybe he could get us that for free. It's like, oh, how nice of you. You don't communicate with me any other time or invite me to anything, but the second you want that fucking Matchbox 20 CD, I'm your buddy.
1: Well, it's hey, 3 a.m. Hey, Shelly, come here, come here. Yeah, you want to be my partner here in chemistry? Yeah. Guess what? Fuck off!
0: <laughs> well, it's 3 a.m., and I'm feeling lonely. You want to push me around? Well, I will. Well, I will. Yeah. <laughs> Show me the meaning of being lonely, bitch. <laughs> Drop the mic and walk away. <laughs> And that's how it probably would go if I went to my high school reunion. Show me the meaning of being lonely, bitch. And that's,
1: that's how it would go. Oh, coming up next, the latest Maury Povich. Who is the father? 855 853
0: 4802 is our number at Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's go to a caller.
2: Hi, let's hear your ghost story. Hey, guys. My name is Dave. And I work at a bark processing plant outside of Savannah, Georgia, out in the country. And uh, I'm alone here all night, so I listen to your podcast because being out here alone in the middle of the night, out in the country, it's the perfect atmosphere for these kind of stories. Um, I'm running my machine at the moment, actually, and I hope you can hear me over the sound of the machine. Um, I guess... I have always been what you guys call sensitive I've had experiences ever since I was five years old intermittently throughout my life it's not it's not a constant but I've probably had more than my share Uh, I've lived in quite a few haunted houses and uh, sorry and uh, this story is about one of the more active haunted houses that I lived in, and I didn't live in, <laughs> I only lived there for 10 days, and uh, at the time, it scared me because I was quite young, this was about 1986, I was 26 years old, and I had just separated from my wife, and I worked, this this happened in Michigan, and uh, I worked in the factory district in Kalamazoo, Michigan, which is... Uh, just a lot of these old gothic red brick buildings that were built in the 1890s and were still being used. And it was just the whole blocks and blocks of these old factories. And the houses in them areas were also built around the turn of the last century. Um, they were all Victorian style, you know, 1900 to 1910, 20s in that area. and. <clears throat> in those days, in my mid-twenties, and being a factory rat, I used to drink a whole lot more than I do now. Um, and there was a little corner bar where everybody went after work, and people had been going to this bar. This bar was probably built around 1910. and. It was one of those places where you knew everybody, and they were regulars, and we all were a bunch of factory rats. We all came in to work, uh, you know, af- after work every day, and uh, there was one guy down there named Earl. I'll just say Earl. I won't say his last name, but uh, I wasn't what he wasn't what I would call a friend really. He was just a, a bar regular who I knew really well from the bar, and that was it. Well. He had gotten in a motorcycle accident and lost his leg at the hip, and uh, he he was on crutches all the time, and he lived had been living with his mother because of his handicap, and uh, his mother had passed away about two years previously, and he this. These old Victorian houses in this neighborhood, they they all had stairs, narrow stairs, every direction, coming up to the house, going upstairs, going downstairs. There were a lot of stairs. And he lived there by himself for two years alone and uh, had trouble being that he had lost his leg navigating all them stairs. So he had got himself into a more handicap friendly apartment and was looking to rent his house out. And me being recently separated from my wife i was looking for a place to stay um he'd been living there alone for two years but the house was completely furnished with his mother's possessions he hadn't touched anything the furniture was all there all their stuff was still there and he told me that he'd rent that to me really cheap and uh, even cheaper if i would do him a favor by cleaning his basement out for him Uh, He couldn't navigate those basement stairs, and he said there was a lot of stuff down there that he wanted packed up or thrown away or things that he just couldn't get to. So part of the agreement was I would help him clean up the basement area and things like that. So anyway, it sounded like a great deal. And I moved in there, and the very first day I was there, I mean, things started happening immediately. I mean, the day I moved into this house, things started happening. But uh, the, the first day I moved in there, I, I went in the back door and walked into the kitchen. And I'm looking around, and all of a sudden I smelled this really strong lilac smell. And this was in the middle of winter, by the way, so there were no lilac bushes around. And uh, I, I smelled lilacs. And then the the smell just vanished. After a few minutes, it just went away. And then a little while later, as I'm moving some of my stuff in, I smelled lilacs, and uh, that smell just kept coming and going all the time. And uh, while I was moving in, and uh, this house was completely furnished in all of his mother's furniture from the '50s and '60s. It was almost like you know, it was it was rather dated, but it was completely furnished, so I wasn't complaining. And uh, I got my stuff moved in, um, had taken off my work clothes, and threw them in the washer and dryer in the basement, went to bed, and uh, the very next morning I get up, getting ready for work, I'm going to take a shower, and uh, I get out of the shower, and I'm drying my hair, and I remembered that I had left my clothes in the dryer in the basement. So I throw my towel on the floor and uh, run down the basement to get my clothes. I come back up, my hair is still a little bit wet, so I look around on the floor for my towel and I, I don't see it. And I'm like, well, what the hell? I, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying I'm a slob, but I'm known to be quite casual and it is very normal for me to throw my towel on the floor. And uh, I'm looking around on the floor. I don't see the towel so then i turn around and look at the shower and my my towel is nice and neatly folded up on the shower curtain rods and even at that time like i said i'm not a slob but i am casual and i thought well that's odd it's not something i would do is you know fold my towel up nice and neat like that especially when i was running down to the basement and you know maybe not done drying off but anyway that was just something i noticed on the first day And uh, I go to work I come home and again intermittently throughout the evening I smell lilacs and that night I get up to use the bathroom and there's I'm in this bedroom at the end of a hallway and there's in a lot of these old houses they have like these narrow stairways that go to the attic they were that you don't see that in houses today but back then it was pretty common to just have a very small stairway that led to the attic well that stairway to that attic was in the hallway right next to my bedroom door and when I when I go out to go to the bathroom the I I notice that that door is open and the light is on in the attic and I'm like well okay I better go out and turn that off and I walk up the stairs and there's boxes of his mother's belongings up there I assume and the light is on and on top of one of those boxes is a lot of old black and white photographs scattered around and I had never been up there before I hadn't gone up th- I didn't go up there the first day I was there so I just thought okay well you know that's probably I don't know something I'll have to clean up eventually and I turn the light off and I go back to bed get up the next day nothing really dramatic happened and uh, other than the intermittent lilac smell and I go back home that night, nothing, nothing yet. Uh, I go to bed and I'd had a few drinks. I stopped at the corner bar, you know, let Earl know I was in there and everything was okay. And I go to bed, I wake up the next morning and I swing my feet out of bed and I, I put my feet on the floor and there's a pile of dirt and there's a broom and a dust, there's a broom leaning up against the bed and a dust pan sitting right on top of the bed, and I stuck my feet right into a swept up pile of dirt, which, you know, I know I don't get up in the middle of the night and sweep up bedrooms in my sleep. I thought that was really odd. So, you know, you, you just kind of, okay, file that as something odd in this house, and I go to work the next night, I get home, the same same thing. I, I get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and I look and that attic doorway is open and the light's on up there. And I, I know I haven't been up there to turn that on, but I go up there to turn off the light and I look down and I notice that the pictures are rearranged from where they were before. They're just not quite the same. There's like a little pile here and you know things like that. Which again, I'm, I'm starting to get an idea. Something's not right in this house, you know. I mean, I'm like I said, I've I've had experiences all my life, intermittently, and but I can tell when something's off, and things were starting to seem off to me. So, uh, I turn off the light, go back to bed, get up the next day, go to work, and the the I you know I come back home go to bed the next morning I get up to go to work and I had this you know the old garbage cans that were galvanized metal I had a nice shiny new galvanized metal garbage can in the kitchen for my trash that's what I use for my trash can in the kitchen Well, as I'm leaving for work, I walk through the kitchen, and that trash can is in the middle of the floor, upside down, and trash is scattered everywhere in this kitchen. And I'm like, oh, my God. I mean, I know I'm here alone, and I know I did not do that. And something's really odd with this house. So the weekend comes up. And I would, part of my deal was I was supposed to clean this bathroom, or the, not the bathroom, but the basement, and uh, as part of my rent. So I decide Saturday I'm gonna go ahead and do that. And I, like I said, I used to drink back in those days a lot more than I do now. And uh, I go down the basement, I grab a beer out of the refrigerator, go down the basement, and I start cleaning up. I crack the beer and I set it on the stairs. And I'm kind of working my way around the basement to take, you know, come around, take a sip off the beer and then work my way around the basement. Well, I come back to the stairs to get a drink and that beer's not there. The basement was quite cluttered, so I thought, well, maybe it's somewhere around here and I just can't find it. I'll just go up and get another one. So I run up the stairs to the refrigerator to get another beer. And there is my beer sitting on the counter right next to the refrigerator, still sweating. And it's like, okay, you know, now I know something's going on here because I have not came up since I went down and I certainly didn't bring the beer up. I know I left it on the stairs. Okay, this, there's just been all these little things. And I mean, this has happened in a, in a, in a period of just days. I mean, this is all going on all the time and the, and the constant lilac smell coming and going. So this was, oh, a few days later, and, like I said, I had separated from my wife, and I suppose I can say this now, because, I mean, even though we did get back together eventually, I did divorce her several years later, but uh, I, I, I'm i out, I'm having a few drinks, and I run into this little blonde girl, and she was cute, and, you know, I, I ended up taking her back to this house. and we, you know, we did the usual thing you do after you pick up somebody at a bar, I guess, and, uh, fall asleep. Well, I wake up in the middle of the night and somebody is thumping me in the chest really aggressively with a, with like an index finger, like somebody's poking me really hard. And I snapped up, sat up, and looked over at that girl because I thought maybe it was her. Well, she's sound asleep. And I was like, what the fuck was that? And, uh, as I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh. you know, the girl kind of stirs a little bit, and she wakes up and and you know asks if Is anything wrong, and I'm like, no, no, I just I just got to use the bathroom. So I get up. I didn't want to tell her that I just got poked in the chest, and uh, I get up and go to the bathroom. And as I'm leaving the bathroom, that girl she decides she had to go too since she she was awake and she went into the bathroom and then I got back in the bed and slid over against the wall where she was sleeping so now she was on the outside of the bed in case there was any more finger poking going on that night which probably wasn't very chivalrous of me but but nothing poked her but it was the next day I you know I obviously something's really wrong with this house and getting poked in the chest the trash the the you know, the beer can, the sweeping up around the room at night and things like that, I just said, that's it, I'm out of here, and I packed up my stuff. That wouldn't have scared me as much today as it did back then when I was in my 20s. But, uh, and anyway, I go down to the corner bar after work like usual, and I see Earl, and I said, you know, Earl, it's like I really appreciate you. You know, rent, renting me this house, but there's something really freaking weird going on up there, and I just I just can't stay there. And he just kind of rolls his eyes and, I'm like, oh man, he says, I was really hoping she wouldn't do that to you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he goes, well, it's just my mom. It's like she's been doing that for the last two years. And he said, all she's trying to do is tell you to pick up after yourself. She, she, she was a very tidy housekeeper, and she doesn't like you leaving messes. Which is why she and then it all made sense. The beer can, the broom, the trash can and my towel, all that stuff made sense afterwards, but I still wasn't gonna move back in there. And uh like I say, looking back now, that wouldn't have bothered me so much because I've had quite a few uh unusual experiences since then and I've almost become nonchalant about them. But anyway, that's it. And thank you very much. I love your show. Uh, I'll talk to you later. Bye.
0: So what do you think? You think it was something that was kind of like, uh, you shouldn't be doing this and uh, was trying to intervene.
1: Uh, yeah. It's uh, one of the the stories. I mean, there was one example, then two examples, then seven examples and then 14 examples. I'm like, hey, move out. How many, how many uh, reasons do you need here? And uh, I very much enjoy how he said, he's not a slob. He's casual. Yeah.
0: It's uh, it's, uh, it's one of those things where I, you know, I feel bad for a lot of folks because you get into those situations where the house is haunted or something's going on. Yeah, move out seems like the easiest, but that's not always an option, realistically, because the the next option is, you know, living in your van down by the river. And sometimes it's like, well, maybe I'll deal with the ghost versus
1: that. i tell you what, if I wake up and I'm staying at a buddy's house and relationship ends and I put my feet in a pile of dirt and there's a dustpan and a broom my van is extremely appealing down by the river even if it is a late model nissan ultima i'll make it work
0: and uh and and i could see you doing that i could see you doing that i don't know that everyone would would uh, find that that as appealing depending on how uh how dark the ghost is there would be some cases though where i think i would uh, i'd have to draw that line too uh, 855-853-4802 is our number at Real Ghost Stories Online. That's going to wrap up today's program. If you like the show, keep us on the air become an extra podcast person. Go to ghostpodcast.com. Get all the bonus episodes of the show, advanced episodes and more. Even a free e-copy of our Amazon best-selling book when you sign up at ghostpodcast.com. Only five bucks a month to get all the bonus stuff. Check it out. Until next time, for Sean, I'm Tony. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online.